This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Wow, it's ladies' night again. Easy, ladies. This is episode 64, the 11th part of the 100-mile history. Boy, I only planned to do a couple parts and got carried away. In this episode, I will tell the stories of the amazing women pioneer 100-mile runners in the early 1970s. Yes, gals, it's finally your time to be in the spotlight. Time to show the men what you could do. Women can't run 100 miles. What? Oh, yes, they can, and faster than you ever imagined. Yes! Let's get to the stories. As the 1970s began, for the first time in decades, daring pioneer long-distance women athletes again joined in the 100-mile quest with some opposition because of the lack of public acceptance for women to compete in long distances. By 1970, the Amateur Athletic Union, or AAU, was governing American amateur running and worked to prepare athletes for the Olympics. The AAU received growing criticism regarding its governance arbitrary rules, locking out some runners, and banning women from competitions. But some races started to ignore the AAU rules and allowed women to run. Most ultra-marathons let them run, at least unofficially. It took a special breed of runner to push through the strong cultural gender bias to break into the male-dominated sport of distance running during the 1970s. It had been decades since women had participated in 100-milers, During the 1870s, many women became 100-mile pedestrians, putting on performances that astonished the American public. In 1877, Carrie Parker from Illinois was said to have accomplished the first sub-24-hour 100-miler by a woman. People believed it ruined her life and drove her to insanity. She was, quote, a raving maniac when she was brought before a court. Her father testified that ever since the walking match, his daughter had been suffering with great nervous prostration, and recently she suddenly conceived of the idea that her whole body was charged with electricity and she would not touch her feet to the floor. She was sent to an asylum. They're coming to take me away, uh uh-huh. They're coming to take me away, The next year, Malie Dupree, a French-American seamstress from Sparta, Wisconsin, claimed to break the 24-hour, 100-mile barrier. In September 1878, she achieved a time of 23 hours and 5 minutes, indoors at Mankato Opera House in Minnesota. She indeed was the fastest woman 100-miler of her time and was referred to as, quote, the wonder of the world. Wonder Woman! The last of the pre-war women 100-mile runners was Geraldine Watson. She was a schoolteacher from South Africa. 
She was a very tough individual who would set off on long walks up to 200 miles carrying a small automatic pistol for protection. When she ran the Comrades Marathon, 54 miles, in 1931, she received intense public attention. Watson ran unofficially and finished in a little over 11 hours. In 1933, she ran an amazing 9 hours 31 minutes, still unofficial, because women weren't allowed to compete. No other woman would run the race until 1965. Watson entered a 100-mile road race organized in Durban, South Africa in 1934. The race was held on a circular road course. She ran a sub-24-hour 100. Her time was 22 hours, 22 minutes, and was performed in a strong, gusty wind and rain. Just two men also finished the race ahead of her. Miki Suwa was born in China to Japanese parents. In 1963, she moved to the United States, attended college, and married businessman Michael Gorman. They moved to Los Angeles, where she became a secretary for a Japanese trading company. In 1968, she bought a membership to the Los Angeles Athletic Club, LAAC, where she began running the club's track on the seventh floor of a downtown building. My husband complained that I wasn't athletic enough. That's why I started doing something, and then he put me in the athletic club, and then I started an exercise class. In order to start exercise class, I had to run. That's why I started. Gorman trained hard, she said. I like to do hard things. My mother would deliberately put foods I didn't like in my lunch bag to teach discipline. One of her mentors encouraged her to enter the indoors 1969 last day run, 24 hour race, see episode six, which would be her first race of any distance. During October 1969, the runners would post their laps throughout the month on the wall of the club each day. Gorman explained, That's how I started, as I am a very competitive person. I was the last person after the first week. Then I got more interested, and by the end of the month, I was in second place among the women. Gorman's plan at the 1969 last day 24-hour run was to run 50 minutes and rest 10 minutes every hour, with a two-hour lunch break at 12 hours. She ended up running fantastically and finished with 86 miles. She ran a total of 590 miles during that month. Gorman started serious training. She became a fixture on the track at the club, running circles for hours. When I was working, people would ask me why I was running, as everyone was very interested as to why a woman would run in 1970. She worked days and had a hard time sleeping during the night because of swollen feet. Gorman made ultra-running history at the October 31, 1970 last day run. She covered 100 miles in an astonishing 21 hours, 4 minutes, 4 seconds, a world 100-mile record. It was reported, Mickey in her big run took a 5-minute break every hour. The track itself, artificially carpeted and banked at turns, measured 165 yards. A minute after she finished, after running the 1,075 laps, she collapsed and said, I don't think I can run anymore. In 1973, Mickey also set the women's world's record in the marathon, and in 1976, set her lifetime personal best of 2.39. Unfortunately, the women's marathon was not included in the 1976 Olympic Games when she was at her peak. 
She was the only woman to win both the Boston and New York City marathons twice. In 2001, she was elected to the Roadrunners Club of America Hall of Fame. Thank you for the memory. I've, ever since I came to this country, so many good things happened. The America is fantastic, and I owe this country so much. And um, now I have something to tell to my granddaughters. And thank you very much. Mickey Gorman passed away in 2015 at the age of 80. Natalie Colomore was a cyclist from Mill Valley, California. In 1970, at the age of 34, she ran her first race of any kind and soon finished her first marathon in Belmont, California in 4 hours 18 minutes. Two months later, she ran her first ultra, the National AAU Road 50 Miles Championship in Rockland, California on a road course. The race included ultra-running legend Ted Corbett. She was the first women finisher in 7 hours 35 minutes, setting an American women's 50-mile record. A reporter wrote, The race became even more amazing when a gal, Natalie Cullimore, finished the whole route to wind up 18th and beat a lot of males in the process. These people who run 50-mile marathons are a funny breed, and they don't get paid anything for it either. Well, to each his own. Colomore, a petite runner, put her name in the history books when at the age of 35, she ran in a 100-mile race in Rockland, California, the 1971 Camellia 100. The historic race held on March 13, 1971 was run on a 2.5-mile loop, concrete sidewalk road course at Sunset Whitney Ranch. Streetlights provided enough light to run at night. A lone official recorded laps in a golf course parking lot that marked the start and end of every lap. There were 17 runners in the race and Cullimore was the only woman. She reached 50 miles in an American record of 7.24 and went on to set a women's 100-mile world record with a time of 16 hours 11 minutes. Cullimore would continue to run marathons, winning several more that year. In 1973, she ran the Pacific AAU 100-mile championship in Sacramento, California with nine runners. She won in 18 hours, 9 minutes, and was the overall winner. Only one man finished with a time of 22 hours, 21 minutes, more than four hours after her. Seven other men dropped out. For several years, her wins were pointed out in articles written about women outperforming men. That was her last known race. In 2020... She was 82 years old and living in Claremont, Florida. Mavis Hutchison is considered by some as the greatest woman ultra runner from South Africa. She was the daughter of one of the top middle distance runners in the country. From her teens, she had an aspiration to become a champion athlete, but it took many years for her to seek after those dreams with busy family life. Hutchison started training at the age of 37 at the encouragement of her sons and began her running career as a race walker. Her health greatly improved. She attempted her first 50 miler in 1962, which she said was a disaster. She quit after 16 miles. In 1963, she set a 50 mile course walking record of 9 hours 36 minutes. 
Soon, a member of her Johannesburg Harriers Athletic Club encouraged her to start running. She recalled, It was my turn to try my hand at cross country. Everybody can run. When the bus comes and you see you're going to miss it, you run. So Hutchison began running. She ran in the Johannesburg Marathon, the only woman among 75 men and the first known woman to run in a marathon race in 37 years. The officials were not especially enthused, but allowed her to run unofficially, perhaps because a woman who could race walk 80 kilometers in record time was unlikely to embarrass them by collapsing. She finished with a marathon time of 3 hours 50 minutes, the second fastest time on record. That was four years before Catherine Switzer's famed finish at Boston, and it was a half hour faster. In 1965, Hutchison began her famed career at the Comrades Marathon. She wrote for permission to run with the support of her own running club. The official reply was, Women are not allowed to participate officially in the Comrades Marathon. But she was permitted to run unofficially. She became the third woman to finish in the history of that race and went on to finish seven more times. But Comrades was actually too short to bring out the best in Hutchison. By 1971, at the age of 46, she was ready for the greater challenge, a 24-hour race at a track at Hector Norris Park in Johannesburg. She put in three months of intense training, including hours after work and eight hours a day on weekends and mostly on a track. She explained, I sometimes did a bit of road running, but people passed remarks and some men even tried to pick me up until they saw my gray hair. The race was held on August 27, 1971. Hutchison was the only woman to enter. 51 men started at 12.30 p.m. in the stadium. She said, I was unsure of my ability to finish 100 miles non-stop on the track. She was crewed by her husband and children. Some of the men in the race were jealous with the attention that she received and wished that she wasn't in the race. But she was there, an official entrant. However, the toilets near the track were reserved for the men, and she had to leave the track continually and climb up a long flight of steps to use the ladies' restroom. Hutchison ran well. As she ran endlessly around the track under the hot afternoon sun, the naysayers saw Hutchison start to set new records for women. First the 25 miles, then the 50. She was running strongly as night fell, keeping a steady pace in her tracksuit. But as with most rookie 100 milers, she had not yet learned how to eat well along the way. After 18 hours, officials could see that she was in trouble. They were afraid that she was going to collapse and bring them unfavorable publicity. She said, I went up to the toilet and collapsed. When I recovered, I was lying on a bench in the changing rooms. I waited for about five minutes or so to make sure I was feeling steady, then returned to the track to continue. Officials tried to convince her husband to pull her out of the race, but she refused. Her family finally figured out that she needed to eat more. By 25 and a half hours, her crew realized that she could break the time set by Geraldine Watson in 1934 of 22 hours, 22 minutes. Hutchison beat the time with 22 hours, 15 minutes, and 42 seconds. But Hutchison wasn't finished. She intended to claim the world record for 24 hours. 
When the clock reached that point, she had covered 106 miles, 736 yards, indeed a new world best. She commented, Surprisingly, afterwards I did not feel exhausted, though the tops of my legs were sore. Reporters were so excited about her feat that it overshadowed the achievements of the 20 men who had also finished 100 miles. The local Johannesburg newspaper described her as a superlative flesh and blood machine, a machine of tireless energy, vitality, and strength that can run for mile after grueling mile, hour after hour, in almost perpetual motion with few signs of exhaustion. Some men in her club were unhappy, and even some women had some cruel things to say. Hutchison said, It was hard to cope with the gossip that followed. I became very distressed about it, but I guess that was to be expected since I had already faced similar nastiness from those who thought I was press-hungry. No doubt they didn't realize the time and hard work involved. It's just as well I don't mutter when I'm running. The negative reaction from her club caused her to resign and join another club. Hutchison went on in 1973 to win the first 100-mile walk ever held in South Africa at Germiston, beating the world record by 12 minutes with a badly swollen foot. Ouch! But she received worldwide fame when, as a 53-year-old grandmother, she became recognized as the first woman to run across America from Los Angeles to New York City in 69 days, 2 hours, and 40 minutes. The press gave her the name of the Galloping Granny. In 2020, Hutchison was 96 years old, living in Cape Town, South Africa. 1978, um, at the age of 53. As far as I remember at that time, I was the first woman to run across America from Los Angeles to New York. Hikes across Death Valley in the blazing summer heat continued during the early 1970s. Vicki Baker Pokiol of Dallas, Texas, described as, quote, a slender 19-year-old blonde accomplished a 127-mile end-to-end hike through the valley in five days with her 28-year-old husband. In a way, it was a strange honeymoon because they had been married for only four weeks. She said, Seven men have crossed it the way we went. I'm the first woman to cross it and that is more or less an official record. They were accompanied by a photographer who drove a jeep and trailer with supplies. We traveled at night and the majority of it in the evening. At night, all you can see was the flashlight and the stars. It was like you were down in a big hole, and all around you, all you could see is big peaks. Toward the end, we kept going all day. I wanted to get to the end. I just couldn't take the heat. You begin to hate Death Valley by the end. The temperature reached a high of 125 degrees and a low of 98. As the 1970s began, 100-mile races continued in South Africa and England. They began to expand in other areas of the world, including the United States, Australia, and Italy. World records continued to be lowered. Could teenagers run 100 miles? 
That is exactly what also happened in 1971. Jose Cortez was from Redwood City, California. He ran marathons at an early age, setting a world marathon age record twice at age 11 and 13. He raced many marathons during his teens. In 1969, at age 17, he ran his first ultra, a 50-miler at the Pacific AAU Championship held in Rockland, California, where he finished in 5 hours, 55 minutes. In 1970, at the National AAU 50-mile championship, he set an American 50-mile road record for 18-year-olds of 5 hours, 30 minutes that stood for decades. Cortez attended the College of San Mateo, where he ran track and cross country as their top runner. In 1971, he ran in the Oregon Track Club Invitational Marathon, packed with national runners and obliterated the field, setting a new national junior college marathon record with a time of two hours, 21 minutes. Cortez gained his long lasting fame in 1971 when at age 19, along with Nancy Cullimore, he ran in the historic 1971 Camellia 100 held in Rockland, California. He set an American Road 100-mile record of 12 hours, 54 minutes, 30 seconds, besting Ted Corbett's track record of 13 hours, 33 minutes, set in 1969. See episode 63. Cortez's record stood for the next 13 years. Cortez had his eyes on the Olympics, but cramped up during the Olympic trials won by Frank Shorter. Cortez finished in a disappointing 38th place. He only ran a few more marathons and ultras in his 20s. In 1998, at the age of 46, he surprisingly returned to ultras and ran in the Jed Smith 50-miler in Sacramento, California, placing fifth with a time of seven hours, 48 minutes. And Trayson came in third place, but no one knew he was a former American 100-mile record holder. In 2020, Cortez was 68 years old and living in Fremont, California. George Purden was a furniture salesman from Melbourne, Australia, and became known as, quote, the father of modern ultra-running in Australia. As a boy in Rutherglen, he raced the school bell, when it sounded, he set off from home about two kilometers away and was never late. He was given the nickname of Chicken George because he was small and scrawny and scratched around the place. Purden became a professional runner. As a young man, he played some professional football, soccer, which ruled him out of amateur running competition. One day after a marathon, Purden turned around and ran back, convincing himself that he could run ultra distance as well. In 1965, at the age of 41, Purden set his sights to break long-distance running records. He successfully broke the professional world records for 20 miles, the marathon, 30 miles, and 50 miles with a time of 5 hours, 22 minutes, all at the age of 42. Purden set his sights to break the 24-hour world record of 159 miles set by Wally Hayward, see episode 61 set in 1953. He reached 100 miles in about 14 hours, but three hours later slowed to a trot as the asphalt and concrete surface took its toll. From then on, he was forced to stop at intervals to fight off cramps, and he hardly seemed to notice the long lines of people cheering him on. He told the crowd, 
I don't think I can make it. My legs are gone. I'll last it out even if I have to crawl in. He did last the 24 hours, but was far off the record. Some people wondered if he was mentally deficient for running such extreme miles, but he was very intelligent. Neighbors wondered because when the weather became foul, he would run in a tiny garage 4.2 by 3 meters for hours. Are you crazy? He joked. When I got giddy, I ran back the other way. In May 1970, the Australian Professional 100-Mile Championship was held on a 440-yard track to attempt to break John Terrence's 100-mile record of 12 hours, 31 minutes set six months earlier at Walton-on-Thames, see episode 63. The race director said, It is the first professional 100-miles championship of Australia. Purden was the favorite. Four other runners entered. The race started on May 23, 1970 at 6 a.m. Purden went out fast into the lead. His first stop was after six hours for a change of clothes and a rubdown. He lapped the other runners over and over again. Along the way, he broke the world's 100K record with seven hours, 26 minutes, and improved the 12-hour record with a new distance of 96 miles. Purden achieved his goal and broke the 100-mile world record by 6 minutes with a time of 12 hours, 25 minutes, and 9 seconds. He looked back and said, My only worry was I was running a bit hard for the first 50. I was very niggly for 50 to 60 miles, and I was counting the laps for the finish after 70. Purden tried but never achieved his goal to break the 24-hour world record. But in 1973, he gained huge fame by being the first to run 3,000 miles across Australia. It took him 47 days. To do a marathon, then to do a half marathon, and then to do another few miles after that is pretty outrageous. Those who run know that. On June 29, 1993, George Purden, who had run about 200,000 lifetime miles, died at the age of 68 after a long battle against cancer. On July 31, 1970, the Durban 100-miles track race was again held in South Africa. It had been held every two years since 1968. Both John Tarrant, the ghost runner, and Dave Box were determined to reclaim the world record. Tarrant, still banned from races in South Africa, turned out illegally as a ghost runner at many races. He would be chased, vilified, abused, and ignored, but no one had yet pulled him from a race. As the 100-mile race came closer, his enemies turned up the heat and it was announced that he would be banned from the race and pulled off the track. Any athlete competing alongside him risked being banned for life. Tarrant believed that all the threats were a bluff. He arrived at Kings Park on July 31st intending to run. Stan Foley, the chairman of the race, confronted him with a heated exchange. Tarrant offered to run in a separate lane, but Foley was firm. He recalled, I personally had huge sympathy for Tarrant. Some of us had tried to help him find work at various times, but he was a very, very pig-headed man at the time. So for the first time, the ghost had been stopped. All because he had taken a few pounds at a boxing match when he was a teenager. Tarrant went to box and wished him luck. Box said, I wanted John to run. 
I wanted to prove I was better than him, and he wanted to do the same. I wanted to run against the best, but I couldn't. It was bloody tragic. If he had been in that race, I would have even run faster. The race started at noon with at least 10 starters. Box indeed broke the 100-mile world record with a time of 12 hours, 15 minutes. He beat Tarrant's former record by 16 minutes. Tarrant had stayed to watch and help crew another runner. He put on a positive face and said, In the passing of time, we all become ex-world champions. But it actually hit him hard. How fast could a relay team cover 100 miles? In August 1971, 10 boys from the Viking Track Club in Hillside, Illinois, decided to run 100 miles. They reached 100 miles in an astonishing, quote, world record of 8 hours 54 minutes in the fourth annual event held on the Provisio West High School track. There were 10 teams in the competition, but they did not know that their time wasn't even close to the existing 100-mile relay record. In 1968, the Lockport Track Club of New York put together a team of eight high school runners ages 14 to 18 that reached 100 miles in 7 hours, 27 minutes, and 55 seconds. They ran on a 440-yard cinder track, each running 12.5 miles, but this team did it running sprints of continuous intervals of 220 yards and 110 yards passing the baton. A grand total of 1,200 sprints were completed along the way. One runner remarked, In the beginning it felt fairly easy to me, like I would be able to do it all day. In the last few miles I particularly remembered struggling to start running again after each rest cycle. Blisters, sunburned skin, raw emotions, and quite a bit of pain accompanied us on that 100 mile journey, but we reached our goal. 100 mile runs for fun started to pop up again. In November 1969, two young cross-country teammates at the University of South Florida wanted to run 100 miles in less than 20 hours, breaking what they thought was a record. Fred Bentley, 18, and Rick Mass, 21, naively started from the college campus to run flat roads to Orlando. Rain and cold air bothered them and they cramped up along the way. At mile 20, their legs began to feel like lead pipes. They were forced to stop many times to get their legs massaged by their coach driving along with them. Many passing motorists offered to give them rides. Fred was unable to digest any of the food he swallowed while running and became nauseated. At night, after getting a drink at a closed gas station, a policeman stopped the suspicious-looking young men briefly to question them. They admitted that their spirits lagged as they realized they could not break 20 hours, and they finished in a little less than 26 hours. Fred at first said he would never attempt another 100-mile run, but later he commented, Well, maybe another time. Stay tuned for more 100-mile history. With that, this is Davy Crockett, and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, and most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances. <laughs>